We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, we're out of quarantine and hanging at mom's house. It's like going from solitary confinement to daycare, which is sort of like the same thing, but the blow-up pool is bigger over here. Now, speaking of Canada, we've got a Canadian icon in the sports broadcasting world on with us today who recently moved to the United States to work for Bleacher Report. This is the one and only Cabrell Cabby Richards. He tells us his tips for his best bets, who he thinks is going to win the NBA title, what it's like to be a Canadian during a combustible time in the U.S., and gives us his best memories from his relationship with the late Kobe Bryant. Hi there. Welcome on in to Drinks with Banks. I am your host, Georgie Banks, and I have not had this for 19 years, and there's a good reason. Mom, what are you doing? This is my show, (laughs) and this is my room. What are you doing? Get out of here. The lights are on, and I thought, you know. Whatever. What did I say about trying to take over my stuff? <laughs> Do I have to leave the tequila? Hey guys, welcome on in. That, of course, was my mom, Georgie Binks, the uh, original Binks, I guess, in this household. And she has been drinking for a long time. But as she mentioned there, it's all water these days and for a good reason. Also, for a good reason, I am here in my home. This is my childhood room, uh, if you couldn't tell by the JSB Museum, because I quarantined for two weeks. That's a government mandate going from the United States to Canada to make sure that this pandemic does not continue to spread and this country's been doing a very good job with sort of trying to curtail it as best as possible but we're also in canada there's a lot of great things about this country about this country and with that i would love to welcome in someone who is synonymous with canadian sports broadcasting a man who is doing personality driven content and unique interviewing styles before all the kids on tiktok were and who was with the score tsn and is now making his way in America with Bleacher Report and NBA TV. We've got Cabrell Cabby Richards here with us today. Cabby, thanks so much for joining us. So many people here in Canada, like they they know everything about you. And now, oddly enough, you're in the States. Yes. How are you doing? Not bad. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful introduction. And I got to say, no matter how old you are, mom is always the boss. And even and shout out to her for maintaining the JSB Museum after all these years of you as you've been all over the place and working in the United States and different parts of Canada. So kudos to her. That's a nice way to put it. It's really just hoarding, but you know, we can put a nice bow <laughs> That's on it. That's one way to look at it, sure. Yes. Hoarding is Stuff about me. You are in you're you're in Vegas right now, correct? Correct. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so tell me what okay, what you have gone through a lot of changes over the last year. And actually, before we get into all that, because it's going to be a, a ton, uh, let's let's celebrate. Let's toast with yes. a drink. What are we drinking here today? I have a Moscow Mule. It's my favorite beverage. These things go down so smoothly. It's the summertime, so I, I want to enjoy a refreshing drink with you. Unfortunately, I do not have the copper chalice, because that's what I pay for when I go to restaurants. But in my own home, I just have a simple... Uh, glass, which was probably purchased at Ikea. But I cheers to you and uh, Moscow Meals, and thank you very much for having me on, JSP. Cheers. Well, I have a Beatles yellow submarine glass, so I think we're both rolling with uh, 
with the garage sale wear right now. Mm. So You're in Vegas, which is awesome to live in. Then pandemic hits. So what's Vegas been like sort of before and, and then now? So Bleacher Report, who I work for, we have a production office inside the Caesars Palace Casino. So we're, we create content content in conjunction with Caesars Palace. So every day you go to the casino and like you're, you know, on the second floor where you walk through the, you know, the entire casino. You, you, we do a lot of our activations Amazing. from the sports book. So it's just loud. You just get used to the sound and the lights and all the people. And then boom, once Rudy Gobert test positive for the coronavirus, like sports just shuts down like right after that. March Madness tournaments can, canceled, NBA tournament, or NBA season is suspended, NHL, uh, it, it's, and so on. Uh, but so we were trying to find ways to fill the void and at Bleacher Report, they were like, listen, there is a massive uptick in streaming both video games and just like everybody was just watching Netflix and everybody was on their screens. The screen time was like 500,000 trillion. Yeah, like we're doing this all day, so we're trying to find ways to fill the void. So we did a couple of like simulation turn, like Madden Sims, mm-hmm. did some other activations, just trying to get into that attention economy because the audience was there and people were spending time on their phones or their computers. We're just trying to tap into like, hey, can, we, can you these eyeballs? You guys want to come? Yeah, uh, look over here. What we're doing over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was, well, some things were successful, some things weren't. Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's so much to go through, right? When you move to a new country, new job and a global pandemic hits and you're in a gambling sports gambling industry, which needs sports as well. So we've got a whole lot more I want to ask you about and to talk with you about on the show here today. We've got Cabby Cabrell Richards, Bleacher Report, also Canadian icon legend here at us on Drinks with Banks. Don't go anywhere. I'm Christina Root, and I'm the host of Catalina Star's Young and Famous podcast, where I interview the young and famous Latinx stars that you know and love. I'm nine years old, and I interview stars from your favorite Netflix show, Disney show, and favorite movie. I ask young and famous Latinxers how they made their dreams come true. Listen to Catalina Stars every week to get motivated, inspired, and happy with me. Christina, the youngest Latinx journalist and podcaster. Listen to Catalina Stars, Young and Famous with Christina Aru on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back into Drinks with Banks. I'm JSB in my home room that has not changed forever. But someone who has changed at least locations and jobs is our guest here today. What a segue. This is Cabby Richards here on the show. Now, uh, Cabby, we were talking about Vegas gambling town. We mentioned before that like you've been so well known for your interviews and for your unique bits and all this personality stuff, but betting kind of a little bit of a different stream. What made you want to go into sort of lean into into this realm? Yeah, so I I, I joined the betting portfolio. So BR's got, you know, kicks, hoops, gridiron, football, betting, gaming. Um, So I'm a novice better and they were preparing a show called uh, the, the BR Betting Show, which was like Sunday, a weekly NFL show, and they needed a co-host. And I got the call on my wedding day, and I was just getting a fade on my roof, and uh, an executive from Turner called, hey, you want to come? I was like, yes, can we talk on Monday? Because I'm getting married today. And then like, I flew down a few days later. So like, oh, I got married on a Friday because it's cheaper. Got married on a Friday. I was on a plane Wednesday. I got the gig the next Wednesday and then I was there. So then, you know, it was about, um, I got the gig like three weeks before the NFL season. So I'm a huge football fan. So I was already kind of tuned in to the season. And, but I, I, I was unaware of how intricate the betting world is and the language and ways to look at trends because I, I think I think about the game from a fan's perspective so I think about you know defenses and schemes and uh, personnel obviously but a better betters bet the numbers they don't bet the teams so mm-hmm. that was like it was always some uh, uh, points of emphasis the things I had to learn when I was there so 
I really like once she said, "Hey, do you want to audition for this show with Bleacher Report?" That's kind of what I heard. And for many years, I was professionally jealous of the the speed and the content that it like this this Instagram account would create because every time there was a sick Odell Beckham Jr. catch or a Patrick Mahomes no look pass or LeBron can drop like you know he can summon the gods on some crazy dunk like BR had a post and some animation or some cool text like immediately I was like do these guys have 5,000 ninjas in some in, in some castle just like constantly like designing things how are they so fast responding to moments that happen in the culture yeah. seemingly with a snap of a finger um so that was the thing that lured me away from tsn and i had a great gig at tsn i got to interview a bunch of athletes mm-hmm. and using my particular style of interviewing which is 80 parts obnoxious 15 parts obtrusive and five parts like uh kind of eh. It's like interesting. interesting. Uh, yeah, like so. when you say when you say obnoxious for those of out there who don't know, one of the things that stands out, which was sort of your calling card, was how close you got to people, right? Physically, yes, yeah, physically, like the physical, very, distance. very close. So what? Yes. Okay, so um, like how how would you dis- like? Why did you do that kind of stuff? And how would you like, how did it help? Or like, how did it become sort of your, your shtick in a way? It was a disarming mechanism. So, so a lot of times I put my arms around athletes. Like these guys are never touched ever unless they're competing in football. Baseball players, they're high fives. It's the only time there's any kind of contact unless it's a play at the plate. Basketball players, yeah, there's, there's some physicality. Hockey, obviously. But I would invade their personal space to make it uncomfortable. And maybe the audience thought that was funny, but then the reactions I would get from it uh, were great. Like um, I would always, I would always hug Kobe Bryant and every, in every interview, it was like a goal of mine to either make him laugh or at the end to get a hug from him. And he never wanted to, but then he would, he would, you know, I'd be relentless, not just in the fact that I want to hug him, but in, in, in our, the questions or whatever, but um, he would then, you know, let me have one at the very end. But it was just a disarming mechanism because interviewers g- generally stand at a distance. You know, they'll put a microphone in a pool of, in a scrum of reporters and they'll kind of have a conversation like this. But I always wanted to make them feel like we were friends and this is the way I would have a conversation with my dudes. Whether I was asking about sneakers or best taco spots or can I see some of the the pictures on your phone before that was like, before Drake said she gonna get upset if she scrolls to the left. There was one time Lamar Odom and this dude, like there were zero, not, like there were zero names attached to these phone numbers. It was just all phone numbers, okay? So we're <laughs> scrolling through. And generally, when you have a phone, there are names. Like a normal person would have 100, 200, 300 contacts. Jules, I'm not, there, for like seven minutes, we were just scrolling up his phone. And then it picked, and then the image like, oh, and then, and then the image like, oh, and then, and out like, it was as though, it was as though I came home and there was a giant bowl of peanut M&Ms like sitting, waiting for me on the couch. I was like, what? That's what it was like looking at Lamar Odom's phone and just seeing all this candy uh, in that the era where, yeah, it was a, it was a different time. But, but Cab, how would you even get to that point to being able oh, to see those numbers? That's a good question. Um, I would. It's because when I when I was interviewing these players, I wouldn't ask them about game stories or the X's and O's. It was all all I wanted to do was find out more about them, and I wanted to amplify their personalities by asking questions way out of left field, lighthearted stuff, um, where they can lower their guards, which was the most important thing, and then. Trust me, because I wasn't there with any kind of agenda. I wasn't trying to ask about a concussion or any controversy. I was like, what's what's the go-to meal you make at 2.15 a.m. when you've had a few adult beverages? Or, you know, asking about a group chat or mm-hmm. who's the guy on the team that's always on their phone. You know, just regular people, regular people stuff. I tried to make them as um, as accessible in a way to the audience 
uh, as regular people because they are regular people. They just have extraordinary talent and they've worked 49,000 times harder at that talent than the rest of us have in any facet of our lives. Right. Well, you make it sound very simple and easy, but a lot of people try to do what you do and what you've done for many years and have failed at it. And even just the the fun, simple questions can rub a lot of the players the wrong way and they kind of don't like the shtick. But I do remember when you were describing this when I was with the Anaheim Ducks, I remember we were in Minnesota and you were there in the locker room and you could tell the guys were all like excited, like, oh, Gabby's here. Like, what's he got up his sleeve? Like something different, right? Than just than just all of us every day like asking about the line changes and like all that kind of stuff. So and that's guys, hard. That's hard. Your job was hard. That stuff like, was boring because it was just like, what happened? What's going to happen? Is it pretty much like the thing? But what you did is sort of been like, now everyone's trying to do it. So um, we're trying to make sure everyone knows that the receipts are here on Cabby first. You. But appreciate we got a whole you. lot more to come with uh, Cabrell, Cabby Richards here with us on the show from Bleacher Report. Don't go anywhere. This is Drinks with Thanks. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Hey guys, welcome back to Drinks With Things. I'm JSP. We've got Cabby here from Bleacher Report who is doing a ton of different shows right now. You have one that is launched on NBA Betstream on NBA TV app with actually one of our former guests on our show, friend of the show, Tim Doyle. Also, uh, Kelly... Kelly Stewart. Yes. Um, I worked with her at CBS Sports HQ. It's like literally everyone is connected and some of our former guests are friends with you, which we'll get into in a bit. But you've got a great cast of characters. And I will have to say, I actually talked to Tim before this show came out and he was like, yeah, I did an audition with this guy, Cabby from Canada, and he's a bleacher and Kelly. And he's like, I got to tell you, like he organized the audition really well. Like we killed the audition because of Cabby. So I don't know what you did in the audition, but it seems like you guys got the good chemistry to get this bad boy off the ground. Well, Tim is like, as you know, he's very easy to work with. He's kind of a big kid, but he has like so much basketball knowledge, obviously having played in the Big Ten and just watching the game as much as he does. And then Kelly is an absolute G when it comes to anything betting. Like she can get up to par to like expert level in like a day because she has so many ninjas or so many so much access to information and then just goes into her uh, like Alan in the hangover seeing the algorithms <laughs> you know in front of her eyes and then it's raining down like the matrix rain and then boom she's already dialed in so we're doing this yeah so um, yeah we're doing this like this this digital this um, second screen experience trying to call or not trying to but calling basketball games from a betting perspective which as i as i said i'm a novice so it's it's a little bit more difficult for me because i'm not that familiar with the terminology and it's also so they're great teammates so it's just like pass the rock over here to tim boom over to kelly alley to tim bounce past to kelly so i just kind of sit back and i learn you know and the audience is there are some specific like hardcore betters and then I think from the NBA, they want to appeal to a, a kind of a general audience. So it's like an right. interesting, intricate balance between like hardcore nerds and then the G-rated audience who just has an interest in betting. Right. So then you you are that value then. So then like the, yeah. the perspective you have is kind of like people that are curious about this that are like, I don't I don't want to feel overwhelmed, but I want to be here. Hopefully, hopefully that that's the goal. But uh, there are times <laughs> where I. I, I get lost in my nerddom too because I'm watching particular players. I mean, I'm like, uh, where we just did uh, uh, Philadelphia and Portland, so I'm all in on like Damian Lillard and McCollum, and then like Ben Simmons gets injured, injured, so we're on that thread, and we're talking about Embiid and Coach Brett Brown. So you know, sometimes I do get lost in the in the weeds, uh, but you know, it's working with those two are great because we we can sort of pull back from a thirty thousand feet, but then also 
go right back into the into the weeds. So it's yeah, it's, into it's the, been more cool. the numbers and stuff. Yeah, and Tim's yes. very great with analogies and sort of making it accessible to people. He helped me when I was at, at at CBS Sports HQ. I didn't really understand anything, and he'd be like, "Okay, during March Madness last year, like, all right, this is like you know Batman and Robin, or like it's like this and this." I actually don't know gambling that well, but I think everyone's getting into it like a whole lot more. Um, and you mentioned with NBA. I'm very curious right now, like with the bubble and <laughs> with no real home court advantage and, and yeah. sort of the impending, like the pandemic is still outside there and it could change at any point. How does that affect like the lines and the point totals and all that kind of stuff? That's a little harder to quantify. And also like a player's motivation mm-hmm. or like revenge series is also hard to quantify. Quantify. Uh, so that's a tough one to answer. I mean, it's we're in unprecedented times, and this is an unprecedented tournament. So this could be the year. And if you're a better, why not take a chance on? I don't know, betting the Pacers versus the Jazz in the finals. Like it could happen. What happens? I mean, the NBA's been incredible, and there are no positive tests so far once the players yeah. enter the bubble, and it's been tremendous. So knock on wood that continues. But if you know two guys go across the street to get some Chick-fil-A, uh, or they, you know, like Lou Will, like maybe you guys feel like wings? Go do a little road trip to to, uh, Magic City in Atlanta, get some wings and bring the virus in. Like, what if four people get it on a team? Like it's, you know, three of your starters and one of your role players or so that that's not written in any in that 113 page document. So who knows what will happen in that regard? But as far as the Encore product goes, if everything remains as it is right now, no positive tests. It's just so hard to tell. You're right. There's there's the virtual fans and some of the game elements are similar to their home buildings, but guys are just going back to their hotel rooms after the game. There's no travel. There's no like, and they're probably used to their beds at this point, which is also an advantage for the home Mm -hmm. teams when the road team had to come in, sleep at a hotel, get up early, go practice, all that kind of stuff. So at this point, they're in a routine. I don't know, Jules. It's it's anybody's guess. I'm, I'm taking a couple of long shots. I mean, we're both from Canada, so I'm rocking with my Raptors as the defending NBA champions, and they play great defense, got great cohesion, an incredible coach, great leaders. But out of the West, I might take a flyer on, like, the Houston Rockets. Like, none of the dudes are over 6'7", but that experiment could work. Because why? We're in a pandemic. Who knows? It's almost like, yeah, you would you would sort of err on the side of chaos because 2020 and like so many of these different variables. So then, yeah, I'd I'd be you know, it would be, I guess, a nightmare for the house then in terms of like Vegas being like understanding where everything sort of lies. But I do find it interesting when you mentioned sort of taking a chance. You just you just cashed in pretty big, I think. Right. With the PGA. Championship. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Great. Nice. I, I took a it's like a 30 to one long shot on this kid named Colin Morikawa. So I did like a little bit of research. We we do this uh, this show called Group Chat, which is trying to be very similar to actual group chats without the, you know, the photos and the certain language that you can't actually, you know, broadcast on any platform whatsoever. Um, but I took a shot on this kid. He's like 23. He's like an upcoming. Well, now he's a stud because he's he yeah. won a major. He's got that on his resume. And it's the first time I ever, Jules, the first time I ever hit a long shot, 30 to one. And, you know, there was a moment where you, you get the notification on your phone. It's like, do you want to cash out? I was like, bleep that. I'm going to let it ride. It's a four, a golf event. It's a 40 tournament. I made it this far. It's like Sunday, like the 12th or 13th hole. And, uh, okay, full disclosure, I only put 50 bucks on the bet. So I only won okay. 1,500. Okay, hey, so, so that is, so then how much do you win then? I won fifteen hundred, so fifteen fifty. Right. You win your money back, and so that's significant for me. That's okay, huge. As, that's a, huge. as a dude that's not out here, like some of the people that I work with that are betting degenerates. Like, yeah, they're betting like three hundred dollars on what are called like nerfies. Okay, this is how this is the level of degenerate. So, a nerfie is a no run first inning. So if there are no runs scored in the first inning of a baseball game, guys are betting like. $300 on these kind of, but multiple wagers jewels in the co- course of a day. Like, there are 14 baseball games every day. And guys are doing like eight to 10 nerfies in a day. Wow. I'm like, 
Are you guys? You guys are trying to is like it, legitimately go bankrupt. Is that good? Is that a good bet? No. These are no. Like it's so. Baseball is the most random of all the sports. Like a, the ball can go off a glove. The difference between yeah. a home run and a double is like four inches, depending on where it hits the top of the wall or the wall. Like no, it's not a good bet. It's the future. It's the present. I haven't done it yet because I'm like. At all? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like too lazy to hook up my account, you know, like, <laughs> no, you know, you not. get to that point where you're like, I got to go find that information and I'm out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you. my laziness yeah. is too much to be a degenerate gambler, which like, I don't know which is worse. It's not enough to just go on gut feelings because then your, your bank account is going to be zero in no time. Well, it already is there, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, we got a whole lot more to come with Cabby here on Drinks with Binks. He's from Bleacher Report, NBA TV. Uh, let's go, baby. We'll be back after this. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I- I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What's up, everybody? My name's Jackie Redman, and I had non-alcoholic drinks with Binks. It was still fun. Boo. <laughs> hey guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. We've got Cabby from Bleacher Report here. And for those of us in Canada, it's just known as Cabby, like Madonna. It's just always Cabby on the street was always That's sort ridiculous. of your big thing when you were yes. When, yes. when you know we were when we were growing up, when we were kids, you know, watching Cabby on the street. And <laughs> You know, I found it funny. I was telling because our producers were talking about how we had Adnan Verk on the show. You guys work together at The Score. He is now with The Zone and MLB and NHL Network. And then we've had Renee Young, who, as we know, is Renee Paquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of and I was thinking, I'm like, you and Renee were actually at The Score when I I interned like I I don't I wasn't really I guess I I just like hung around you guys for like a, a month and um I, I was like I was so stiff and like trying to be super like I was like trying to be a reporter I guess it was yeah, but you were some like of the 20. worst tape Pardon me? Yeah, but you were like 20 years old. Like, you're still a baby. So, yeah. I was, was wearing, great... like, full-on H&M pantsuits every day to, like, <laughs> um, intern at the score. I was like, I'm going to be a reporter here someday. Uh, was like... Anyway, you were, um, you know, you're, you... You did this at the score, then you mentioned TSN, Cabby Presents, just so well known. And then you decided to go to Bleacher Report, and you're in the U.S., and... Like the tragically hip, no, the band um, going from Canada to the U.S. Sometimes completely different worlds. What's it been like being in the U.S. now? Like when you are a household name in Canada, but not necessarily in the U.S. Like oh, what's that de- been definitely like? not, definitely not. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like I'm in a I'm like a, a small fish in a very large pond. Uh, it's 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 cool. Like it, I I do enjoy working at Bleacher, and I'm learning a lot of things. and just have sort of these wide eyes and big ears just trying to absorb as much as I I am or as much as I can much like yourself when you were uh, an intern when you're 20 and you're out there you're probably doing post game and pregame at like J you know at Blue Jays games because the Scottum was right down the street from our office you probably did Raptors and Leafs stuff too because the uh, ACC or the Air Canada Center now Scorchbank Arena was mm-hmm. right down the street from our office and everybody at the score at the time was between like 20 and 30. We're all very young. And shout out to, as you mentioned, uh, Adnan Verk and Renee Young, who also lives in Las Vegas. We've been meeting to go get a juice yeah, for about so four odd. months. You guys are both there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we haven't, we haven't been able to connect. But um, I, yeah, it's uh, the people who uh, are aware of my previous 
work are mostly Canadians. It's like a handful of random Americans that really love hockey who know who I am. And then in Vegas, there are because Canadians travel so well, we're all over the world. Yeah. You know, we'll there the, like the one or two will pop up in the sports book and I might get a what's up or whatever. But it's okay. It's it's okay to like start you know, to restart as far as visibility goes and working on totally different content. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. We kind of all, I, I likened it to when on Halloween, it's like the USA was always sort of like the house that gave out the big chocolate bars where you're like, oh, Excellent man, like, I got to go there. Like, that's yeah. the best. But now it's kind of like the house that like gives out the apples that are kind of <laughs> like, what? And then you go home and your parents are like, don't eat that. There's probably a razor blade in there. So things have changed a little bit, though, over the years. And like you're now in the U.S. during one of the most like uh, um, combustible times in history. Yes. What is it like being a Canadian in having just moved to the U.S.? Well, experiencing two pandemics has been interesting. Obviously, COVID-19 and then the racial uprising. As a black person from Canada living in the United States, it's uh, I'm, I'm very aware of where I am and who I am at all times and how like tensions are at an all-time high. And there are certain things that I do, uh, and I'm generally not really this serious of a person, but in this particular area, like there are things I do at, that I call survival mode. For instance, I always think about what I'm wearing before I leave my house. So if I'm going out in the daytime, I might maybe wear a hoodie, but I would never wear one at night. And if I go out at nighttime, if I go for a walk or if I'm just like trying to get to a Target or, you know, Walgreens before, well, Walgreens open 24 hours, but if I'm, I always wear light colored clothes just because I, mm. I don't want to take the chance that somebody's having a bad day. I live in Nevada. It's an open carry state. When I drive my car, I'm at 10 and 2 like every grandma because I just don't have the luxury of interacting with someone who is in has got some preconceived notion of who I am before I open my mouth, just looking at me. I'm six feet tall, 240. I'm a big guy. Um, and uh, so I'm hyper aware of my surroundings and where I am. And just things like that, which, which you would probably, well, maybe you would consider because you're a woman and you have to have similar, like when you leave your house at certain times of the day, like no, if you're but going it's at it not night. the same. Yeah, I would have okay. no idea. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so th watching and observing how the culture is changing, I, I feel like there is a positive uh, winds of change which are occurring, and there's a tidal wave of support for breaking down some of the systemic uh, apparatuses in place in this country, which have have been built over many, many decades and, mm -hmm. and, and a couple of centuries. So that, that apparatus is going to take a long time to change, but people are calling for change. So that part is, is promising, but it's, we're right in the thick of it right now. So uh, it's, it's been an interesting experience as a Canadian living here during this time. Right. And I got to ask, though, like, did you ever feel that way in Canada? I know racism isn't just in the United States, but uh, right. the level of what you're feeling. Did you ever feel that in Canada? No, I didn't. I didn't have fear. Um, and when I lived in Toronto, um, there were there was I was always aware of where I was and aware of like I, I might wear a hoodie at night. But, and be aware of it, but um, here it's, it's just heightened. So a little bit back home, and there were certain, certain things like in the media that we were really always portrayed that well, and there weren't a lot of like black people working in sports. And when I was covering hockey, I was often the only, unless I was covering the Flyers and Wayne Simmons there, or going to Montreal and P.K. Subban was there, or I'm in you know, um, Florida where Anthony Stewart played or whatever, Kevin Weeks in New York, there were, there weren't other faces that looked like mine. So a couple of times I felt a little bit of like the bristle of like the old, old, uh, boys club, which hockey, which still yeah. exists in hockey. I think that is changing slowly, but, uh, and certainly my style was completely different. I was in there with sneakers, t-shirts, baseball caps, asking about Jay-Z and burger spots and like, you know, who, 
who gets killed in Madden on the team, like total non-traditional questions. Mm -hmm. So there were times where, and there are some other things that I won't get into here, but there were, there were times I felt it. I felt it, the, the, the heat of racism back home, yeah. um, working in, uh, specifically working in hockey. Yes, hockey is uh, extremely white. I was even like, well, I mean, it's all pictures of me and I'm a white girl, but um, <laughs> the, the Toronto Maple Leafs is just looking at the roster and it's like every, you know, everyone's white in hockey. But um, to your point, there is a bit of a different vibe in the United States with uh, the level of, I think, that we're seeing uh, racism that has been entrenched in, in so many of the different systems and inspired now by people that are in charge. But at the same token as what you said, you know, we're seeing a very, uh, a very strong movement in the right direction. Um, we have a whole lot more we want to talk about with Cabby, but we got to take this quick break. We'll be back on Drinks with Thanks with some Moscow Mules. So we'll see you in a second. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, giveth thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Nope, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, Amina Kimes. I'm on Drinks with Binks with JSB. Imagine being so cool you go by initials. MMK. Okay. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Drinks with Binks. We've got Cabby here from Bleacher Report. And earlier on in the show, we were discussing your unique interviewing style. And that was extremely apparent with none other than Kobe Bryant. And you were, you know, so fortunate enough to be able to interview him like over 20 times or something like that. And yeah, yeah. how, I mean, how would you describe your relationship with Kobe? <laughs> um, love, hate. Uh, love, I loved him, and I don't know if he enjoyed all of our interactions. Uh, no, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. He was um, very generous with his time when he didn't have to be. I came around at a time where he wasn't as popular. I can't. I, the first time I interviewed him was in two thousand and five, uh, and this is a year after his trial at Eagle, Colorado, and he'd been. Um, dropped by a few of his sponsors and Nike was the only sponsor that stuck with him and then since I wasn't there with a, any kind of agenda like the first question I asked him was about bandwagon fans in LA and then I asked him to draw a bandwagon and he wouldn't do it and then I asked him to stay at his house and that thread of, of me being sort of this uh, presumptuous and uh, this obnoxious like house guest like every time I saw him Kobe, can I stay at your house? What's your address? What's your number? Sorry, you got to give me the new number because the old number doesn't work. Playfully, of course, this was just a bit that we had, but it was it ran through all of our interviews. And then as I got to spend more time each time, then I involved props. And props was like something, was a tool, a device that I, I leaned on a lot in my interviews because it gave us something to do. And mm -hmm. Jimmy Fallon does it expertly on his show, like when he plays games with celebrities, because that humanizes celebrities. And I try to do that with, with these sports stars because they're, I mean, nobody can hit a 100 mile an hour fastball. No regular person walking down the street can hit a 100 mile an hour fastball or, you know, throw an, an 80 yard bomb to Tyreek Hill on the, on the money off his back foot like Patrick Mahomes can. So with Kobe, like, you know, a, a few things. I brought him like CDs once for a sleepover. I brought pillows. I brought him pajamas once. I cut him a key to my house. Wow. What else? Like, and he was like, so he he was he played along with the bit. Yeah, like he yeah, was thank, thankfully. And there and every time, so there there came a point where I started like I, I would pitch him ideas. So I write like, okay, this is the this is the bit. Like every time it was like two two new bits, and he would generally shoot them down. It involved like some Saturday Night Live type of sketch. And I'm not a comedy writer, but I tried to like push myself to to write something that I would 
I would hope he would find funny. He's like, nah, no, I don't do that one. Every time I was like, nah. So there was one time, Jules, that he is like, okay. The, the bit was, uh, we, and I wish we got to do this, was what if Kobe Bryant never went to the NBA? What if he went to Duke and he was a student at Duke? And in the bit, him and I were roommates. So I just, I just, I presented him with like these images, basically like my 15 second elevator pitch. I'm like, Kobe, we're roommates at Duke in your first year. And he's like, all right, this is funny because that would bleep and kill you. So then I was like, oh, can I, I was like, should I write this one? He's like, okay, yeah, write it and send it to me. I was like, all right, boom, furious. Like I'm Kermit the Frog, that Kermit the Frog meme, like writer, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I think oh, I've got a couple of jokes. So I'm like, all right, I'm also Kermit the Frog, send it back to the side writer. I had to do like seven revisions, Jules. The first one I sent, which I'd always, I, I had already revised probably eight times before I sent it to um, Molly Carter. And Molly Carter is a boss. She runs Kobe Inc. So Molly's response was, you have to change the ending. At the end, like, the bit was like, the lights are off, we have girls in our room, and then like, there's, you know, the, the RA comes by to do like a, a curfew check, and then there's a little bit of giggling, and she's like, you have to change it. I'm like, we're college students, we're like 18, of course we're gonna be going in the bit. So I wrote like five more, and then eventually just like radio silence, like just, it, so it, I never. Oh man. I was like, okay, this is all right, like let me talk to him, let's let's try to figure out if it works in the schedule. But at the time, Kobe was building a studio, like towards the end of his career, he mm -hmm. was, you know, he wrote Dear Basketball, he got uh, uh, John, I think he's Sir John L. Williams, the composer to, to right. score his, his animated short. He has like, he, he created an investment fund with a partner in New York for like a hundred million dollars. Kobe had, was turning into this gigantuan uh, media company and he was writing books. So there wasn't enough time for my stupid little Saturday Night Live digital short where we're like roommates at Duke. But it would have been great though, had it just gotten to him who knows? You could have had an Oscar at this point. <laughs> Maybe we could have won a Webby or I know. whatever the version of like the crappiest uh, YouTube videos are. Perhaps hey, Webbies, we lost out on a Webby, all right? Oh, so uh... no, Webbies are legit. I'm saying, but you know what? We got a telly, so it's right. in the mail coming. I already bought it. Right, um, but we got to take a quick break. We'll have a whole lot more with Cabby Richards from Bleacher Report after this on Drinks with Pinks. I'm Michael Smith, and I'm proud to say that I had drinks with Binks. Six of them motherfuckers, to be exact. <laughs> Welcome back into Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB, and I'm so thrilled to be joined by Canadian sports broadcasting icon, Cabby Richards, who's now in the U.S. with Bleacher Report. And Cabby, we were just talking about your relationship with Kobe Bryant and the bits that you did. You know, you were the only person that was granted access into his helicopter, right, for a sketch. Yeah. For that to be, you know, obviously the way that, like, the tragedy went down, um, what, how surreal has that and everything been for you? That was devastating. Devastating, and, and uh, a friend called. He's like, "Have you, have you checked the internet today?" I was like, "No." Nah. He's like, "Go to TMZ," and I was like, "Ooh." Went and I saw it. I couldn't believe it, and I just kept refreshing because I wanted more information. And then, but once I knew that that story broke on TMZ, I knew it was legit. And then when I was speaking with my producer Dave Crixt that day and over the the next few days, you know, we had discussed like being in Kobe's helicopter. This was like 10 years earlier. Yeah. We were the first to be, like, not the first to discover. Actually, maybe we did discover that he had a helicopter because I was hosting this video game event. It was him versus Carmelo. And that's when I pitched the idea of doing a bit in a helicopter. And he agreed to it. And um, you may have been at the score at the time. This is 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't know he had a helicopter. So. I'm not sure if, and maybe it was like Arash Markazi had written a, a bit about Kobe travels to games in helicopters, but then we actually got to do it. So anyway, back to the tragedy, I believe it was January 26th or January 27th. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, and just like disbelief. It just, it was, it was the, like many people, I was just, I felt so much pain just knowing that Gigi 
and the other people were in, in the helicopter as well. And I'm not a parent. I can imagine as a parent, you would do literally anything. You would give your own life to save your child's life. But in that situation, you he couldn't. So mm-hmm. just thinking about those what that must have been like also caused me a lot of pain, as I'm sure it's caused millions of people, certainly parents who could who could empathize with being in that kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah it was tough. It was really, really tough. And, and then, go, go ahead, Jules. No, 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 keep going. So I was just going to say quickly, I got to go to his memorial a month later at the Staples Center. And the amazing thing about it, Jules, is like nobody was on their phones. It was a two-hour memorial and I think there was maybe a couple of flickers at the beginning because um, Beyonce opened the service. Actually, no. For the Queen, there were no phones out. But there's, but maybe the. Is it Michael? Michael have, Jordan was there or no? No, the, it, the phones were not. But I'm saying everybody there was just very present and not trying to document this experience to show people. It was like they were just all experiencing the same energy and it was the perfect celebration of his life. And it was just, it was 20,000 people in the Staples Center and then there were these luminaries. Obviously, Michael was there, Beyonce sang, Chrissy Aguilera sang, Alicia Keys sang, Shaq was funny. I mean, uh, 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 who was it? Coach Ariyama spoke, Sabrina Ionescu spoke, uh, obviously Vanessa spoke. Um, it was just incredible, you know, I'm looking across at Kanye, Kim, Jay-Z, and Beyonce, and then Michael Jordan, and then across from me, I'm looking at Shaq and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. A few rows in front of me are, are Steph Curry and Aisha, Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union. To my left are all of the Spurs, Popovich, Duncan, DeMar, T- uh, Tony Parker. Like, it was incredible to be there, but the service was perfect. It was, it was a perfect yeah. celebration of his life and to, and to be there, to be invited was like, it was, it was incredible for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't even imagine just how surreal it is to have known him and known him that well. And, um, okay. I should say, I should say, I should say this. We weren't like on the phone friends. Like it was very much like reporter athlete. There were still some, there was still a little, little bit of a buffer zone. You know what I mean? Like he kept me at arm's length. Was he showing you his, uh, his phone numbers? So you'd be do that? <laughs> he was not. No, no, no. That was no, okay. That's very, just very people showing their, their phones. And Kobe, he was not among them. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how you did it with your interviewing style with him, but it's uh, a lot of people try to do that kind of stuff and like to keep going with it too. the to. And I think maybe that is part of it. It's just like being relentless and kind of not stopping with some of the bits like the staying at his home and all that. And then it becomes like a fun little a fun little joke. But I do have one question, though. So we're still in 2020, which is like odd that this happened at the beginning of the year. Right. Um, how do you think? Like, what do you think Kobe would have thought of everything that has happened since he died? Wow, that's... You know, he would have used his platform for good. I mean, he was already using his platform to amplify women's sports. He was a huge advocate for women's soccer. He had a really great friendship with Sidney LaRue. And uh, Megan Rapinoe was an absolute icon. But, like, Kobe... His entire adult life, he was in the spotlight. But then he was like, I want my kids to be in the spotlight. He took a back seat and he was, you know, Natalia was playing volleyball. Gigi was obviously playing basketball. And he was like such a champion for women's basketball. It's it's amazing to see like actual NBA stars attend WNBA games. They're wearing their jerseys. Like the support, that fraternity of basketball players is made. You don't see it in any other sport. You don't see hockey dudes wearing jerseys of MPP or or soccer no. players, like Canadian soccer players wearing a Christine Sinclair jersey yeah. or a Rapino jersey. Like you, there might be some tweets, but like actual spending time and going to the events I mean, I, maybe it's harder for soccer because the, the season is 12 months. But you know what? No, they could do a better job. They could do a better job. Exactly. And and Cole was there at games. Chris Paul, LeBron, like D-Wade, like the biggest stars in that game and, and in the NBA are there supporting their sisters in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Kobe, right now, he, I'm sure he would have been in the streets protesting. He would have used his platform 
um, for, you know, to call attention to bail reform or right, yeah. police reform, police union reform. You know, I, I'm positive he would have he would have been on that side of history. Yeah, his legacy already just so much, but he's an incredible person um, and player too. And you were very fortunate to get to know him. And many of us would never, never understand what that's like. So I, I'm, you know, can't imagine that the last couple of months have been very difficult for you. Um, we've got to get to a quick break, but we have a bit more to come with Cabby here on Drinks with Banks. Guys, don't go anywhere. What's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it. Hey, everyone. Montel here. I need to check out my brand-new podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel. We'll be having kind of conversations about cannabis, wellness, and everyday social issues impacting your everyday life. It's all about empowering you and giving you the information you need to make it through your daily life. There won't be any BS. There won't be any hidden agendas. Just honest, interesting conversations. So make sure you tune in to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all about a blunt conversation, and that's what we intend to have every day. Like what you're hearing? Check out Drinks with Binks on Fubo Sports Network every Friday night at 8 p.m. Stream it on the Fubo TV app, Roku, Samsung TV, and more. Oh, and don't forget, it's BYOB. Sorry, startup life. All right, guys, we've had an awesome time drinking and binking here with Cabby Cabral Richards. Canadian icon legend Cabby on the street who is now just taking over the Vegas gambling world with Bleach Report and NBA TV. And Cab, tell us where everyone can find you next. So we have a group chat on Bleach Report. It's in the Bleach Report app every Wednesday. And as we're a few weeks away from the NFL season where the BR betting show returns, that'll be on Sunday, also in the Bleach Report app. And we'll see about this, what the NBA wants as far as betting during the playoffs go mm -hmm. that's on nba.com it's the app you can get the nba app and it's called the nba bet stream so I hope you guys can check out one of those three projects and if not then just i'm on twitter acting stupid and i'm posting funny pictures on on instagram i love it Thank you, you got the personality, you got Appreciate the cash you. to bet, you're making big <laughs> bets, we're betting on the Raptors to win it yes, all we are, because Jules. that's, yes, that's we what's are. happening. We are doing this, we the North, and we the Drinks with Binks. Thanks, guys, for watching us here. And make sure you check out Fubo Sports on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And, of course, this is available on Spotify and wherever you got your podcasts, Apple, because we just dominate, like, every space. That's there you go. what you do when you're drinking and binking. See you later, guys, and thank you, Cabby. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.